Well, good morning. Welcome again to Sunlight Community Church. We're so thankful that you are here. I'm Aaron Scantlin, and we're beginning the second part of our sermon series on battling unbelief. All sin is us believing that our way is better than God's way. And so to battle the unbelief that we have, we are tackling different sins that we struggle with and pointing us back to God's way and to believing that his way is best. So today, it's kind of a a heavy subject. We're going to be talking about lust. And some sin uh, can be kind of sneaky and we don't really notice it like bitterness or unforgiveness and uh, we can be living with that and operating out of it and not really notice. Uh, But lust is is a really difficult sin. It can be very debilitating and bind us in guilt and shame because we, we all know that we're not supposed to lust. We all feel conviction when we see something sexual or we dwell on sexual thoughts. And on top of this, sexual gratification has an addictive element to it, which can make dealing with and finding freedom from this issue even more difficult. Uh, so I want to look at the, the definition of lust. Thanks, Neil. He always wants us to look at the word and, and figure out what that word actually means. Uh, interestingly enough, the definition of lust is simply a very strong sexual desire. So sometimes we think of like a, a lust for power, a lust for money, um, but, but the actual definition is just a very strong sexual desire. Some of the synonyms for that are a sexual appetite, sexual longing, sexual passion, and this is usually a negative thing. It's something that is so powerful it has a grip on us and is driving us in a way that it should not. So today we want to look at God's word to see what it says about lust and to find some practical ways that we can combat this difficult struggle and to find purity and freedom. So let's pray. God, we thank you for just another opportunity to gather together as believers in you, um, to worship you and praise you and lift up your name in song and in worship and to give back to you, God, from what you've given us and, and to open your word and see what you have to say about our lives, what you have to say this morning about who you really are and what is the best way and how to battle the unbeliefs that we struggle with. So God, as we deal with uh, such a difficult topic this morning, would you just be with us? Would you open the eyes of our heart to see you and hear from you from your word this morning? And we pray that you would give us practical ways that we could step into and move into freedom and move into your way and to follow you. So God, we pray all this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. 
All right, so let's open God's word to 1 Thessalonians 4, the first eight chapters. So you go Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1 Thessalonians. This was a letter that was written to the church in Thessalonica, um, but it was also supposed to be circulated to all the churches in the area. So we're going to turn to chapter 4. First eight verses. Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you received from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. That's pretty uh, strong language there at the end. We're not disregarding man. We are disregarding God. He has called us to holiness so let's just take a look at these verses. Let's take a look at this passage. Um, when it says, finally then, brothers, this isn't the exact end of the letter right at this point. Um, he's going to talk about the hope they have for the coming of Christ after this. Uh, but it, it's kind of wrapping up what he's been talking about and encouraging them. He's, he's come before. He shared the gospel. He showed them the way. Uh, he's been encouraged that he's heard from Timothy and others that they're walking in that, that they're living in the light, they're following God's paths. Uh, but Thessalonica was a, uh, a port town. It was on, on, the, uh, on the water, so you had ships coming in. It was a transient area, which just leads to uh, uh, when, you, when you aren't living in community, it's much easier to fall into sexual sins and uh, lots of, we, we know, it's the same in, the, in our culture today. Um, so it was very easy for them, even though they had accepted Christ and decided to follow him, uh, to kind of fall back into that culture. You know, we, uh, sometimes God just changes us like that, and there's certain things that we were dealing with and we don't deal with it anymore. And sometimes there's just, you've been doing something for so long and the, the culture is so pervasive that we just... Uh, fall back into those things, and it's just our regular habit and pattern. So he, he's saying, I want to encourage you because I've heard great reports, and it, it fills my heart to know that you've, you've taken hold of this for yourselves and you're doing it, uh, but I also want you to continue to do it more and more. So it says, um, you know, your sanctification, what that means there in verse 3 is that you're becoming more and more like Jesus. So that's something both that, that God does 
in us. He's changing us. And as we spend time with him, you become more and more like him. Um, but it's also something that, that we choose to do, that we're, that we're spending time with him, we're moving towards him, that we're following his ways and making those daily choices uh, to do what he's called us to do. So um, he's encouraging them and, and setting them up for what God has, again, he's just calling them again to this. Uh, I believe it's verse four, abstain from sexual immorality that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor. That, that's the comparison there um, that we're supposed to control ourselves and abstain from sexual immorality, that we're supposed to be seeking holiness and not the passion of lust that is prevalent among the Gentiles, among those who don't know God. It's just whatever, you know, Whatever meets their needs, whatever fills them up, whatever feels good at the time. Uh, you know, nowadays people say, well, I have to be true to myself because this is the urge I have and this is the feelings I have, so I have to do those things or else I'm, I'm not following who I am and, and how I feel. It's all feeling-based instead of having a solid foundation in God's word and who he says he is. Uh, And then it also talks about transgressing and wronging your brother or your sister in this matter. Um, You know, when when we do this, it's not a victimless action. Some people say that, you know, but it's sinning against someone and it's sinning against yourself. You're grieving the Holy Spirit. Uh, You know, a way that you can kind of think about that is if you say, oh, well, it's not really hurting anybody. Well, imagine your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your husband or your wife, if somebody else was having lustful thoughts about your husband and your wife, you wouldn't want that to happen, right? <laughs> that, that would be something you wouldn't want someone else to do. And if that's something that you understand you don't want someone else to do, it can be helpful to recognize it's not something that we should be doing. Uh, it does hurt people. It is wrong. And so holiness is opposed to lust. And so what do we need to do? We need to seek godly intimacy. So uh, I got a slide here. Lust, what lust is, is it's impersonal objectification lust is is drawing yourself inward it's self-focused and it's objectifying somebody else it's making them an object instead of a thing uh, instead of a person it's making them a thing instead of another human it's dehumanizing people and it's all focused on ourself and that is in contrast to what god wants for us that's intimacy he wants relational connection. So we're, we're supposed to be seeking out relationships with other people. We're supposed to be making actual connections with people. And it's been proven not just from, from Christians and from preachers, but uh, scientifically in our culture right now, uh, we're, we're becoming less and less connected as human beings. A lot of that is 
is social media and um, having important conversations over text. Uh, <laughs> the craziest one for me is I went to a movie once uh, with somebody else and partway through the movie I get a text that says, and I, I looked at it because no one else was in the theater, it was like 11.30 in the morning, and it says, hey buddy, I think I'm going to go home. <laughs> and no one else was in the theater, so I'm like, did you just text me that you're leaving? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you could have just, you know, turned and said that. Uh, and, and I often will get I'll be with somebody, like a youth group or something else, and then I get a text with like the most deep theological question or concern or some major thing is going on in their life. And I'm like, man, this is not really a conversation I want to have over text. I'd love to talk with you. Why didn't you mention this 15 minutes ago when we were together? Um, and, and not that you can't text, and it's really great to have that opportunity when something happens, you're in need, and you want to you know, talk about something, you can text and get a hold of somebody, that's wonderful, but, but we're just becoming more and more disconnected. We're, we're having our discussions and our relationships with people online, through our phones, um, and not even, you know, we don't call anymore, we just send a text. And sometimes it's easier. It's not all bad. I definitely use text all the time. You guys know that. Um, but but it's drawing us away from each other. It's, it's even causing us to not be able to have conversations with each other. People are forgetting how to converse. Um, and so what we need to be moving towards is getting back to that, that relational connection with another human being. And especially as believers, we need relationships with other Christians, with other believers. And having that intimacy that God has called us to where we know each other, we love each other, we're helping each other. But we live in a sex-obsessed culture, right? Can I get an amen? It's not a good thing, but we're recognizing that it's true. And as I said before, Thessalonica, where Paul was writing this to, was much like us. It was a sex-obsessed culture. Even their religious practices uh, were about having sex with temple prostitutes. It was, um, it was about orgies and, and it was about having multiple partners all over the place. Um, and it was just depraved and wrong, unnatural, and not the way God designed sex to be correctly and the way that it would fulfill us the right way in marriage, one man and one woman. And no one will live a perfect sexual life or have a perfect thought life. We all deal with lust, both young and old. But we should be moving more and more towards Christ and towards holiness and the way God has called us to live sexually. Jesus is our model of a pure and holy life. We're to become more and more like him. And we need the Holy Spirit to do that. But without understanding the truth about who God is and the act of God, the cross of Jesus and its saving power, it's impossible for us to joyfully obey the commands of God. So we get it, we get it backwards so often 
we, we can't focus on all the rules and the don'ts. That's just legalism. First, we have to look to God as he really is and see who he really is, holy, lifted up, powerful. And we need to see his grace and his mercy that he's given us. And we also have to look to his power and the power that he has given us through the Holy Spirit. We cannot defeat lust on our own. We can't just work harder or do better. Um, We can't get focused on our sin and our shame and our failures, Uh, even in accountability groups sometimes where they're trying to hold each other accountable about stuff. It's often just a, oh, hey, I screwed up this week. Oh, hey, you know, so did I, blah, blah, blah. It's very focused on the shame and the guilt and, and what, you know, our sin, instead of being focused together on God and listening to the Holy Spirit and, and being able to point each other back towards God and his way and what's best. The only hope is to look to God and believe the truth about who he is and about his power, which is at work in us for greater and better things. And lust can lead to addictive behaviors, especially now as porn is so easily available and prevalent in our culture. You know, it used to be that if you wanted to get porn, you had to go to the drugstore or someplace, and you know they had those magazines up in the rack, and they had a cardboard in front of it to cover it up. Uh, that would would be really super awkward to go into your local drugstore and buy something. What if somebody else saw you? Or you had to go into a video store and go into the back room. You know, what if somebody saw you coming out of the back room? It, it actually helped stop people from, from getting as much access to porn. But nowadays, you know, you can get it on your phone, you can get it on your iPad, it's practically free everywhere. And did you know that 35%, so more than a third of all internet traffic is for pornography? Porn worldwide is a $110 billion industry per year. Video games are huge, right? I mean, tons of video games. Everybody's into it. People are making billions of dollars. It's about $15 billion that video games make a year. And porn makes $110 billion a year. And because of, you know, phones and iPads and this easy accessibility in in hidden places and in people's rooms, uh, the age that our kids are seeing porn for the first time just keeps dramatically lowering. Now, uh, they say that the average age that our kids see porn is nine years old. Nine. That's, that's crazy. So as parents, we often in the past have waited until puberty. And then we're like, oh, all right, uh, I guess it's time that you need to learn about this stuff. You know, we need to have the talk. 
And then on top of that, there's often so much uh, fear and, and anxiety about talking about it that you kind of put it off for a while. But what happens when you do that? Well, who are they learning about it? Because they're going to learn about it. You know, they're learning about it from their friends. Um, they're learning about it from our culture and from TV and from music videos and movies. And nowadays, they're learning about it on Google. We've got to answer the questions honestly, not changing words around and, and, well, you know, I'll tell you later when you understand. No, we've got to be telling our kids way before they even understand what it is or have any sort of urges or, or you know, we've got to be telling them way before nine years old. So that when they see it, they have context for it. They understand this isn't the way it's supposed to be. Come and talk to us if somebody shows it to you. Tell them you don't want to see this. Um, and so we got to start really early. And it's addictive. Lust and porn uh, is addictive. And addictive behaviors have been scientifically proven to rewire our brains to operate differently. According to a study on neuroscience and internet porn addiction, viewing porn makes our brains smaller, less active, and less connected. Our, our actual brain synapses and the way our brain looks and operates changes to be smaller, to be less active and less connected our brains. <laughs> and so that, that leads into all our, our relationships and it leads to our thoughts. And like any addiction, you need more and more and stronger doses to achieve that same high and that same feeling. With lust and sexual dysfunction, this means more frequent viewing of sexually explicit pictures and videos. It means more risky and dangerous actions um, and it means more unnatural sexual desires and habits. But we know all this, right? We know this. We're talking, well, education is what we need. Uh, but people know that smoking isn't healthy and it's bad for you. And uh, here are all the statistics about lung cancer and emphysema. We know, and yet people still smoke. We know porn is not God's way. And it's become a huge, huge issue in our culture and among believers in Christ as well. But we look at it anyway. We get caught up in the ways of the world and of those who do not know God. Our way to satisfy our sexual desires as opposed to God's design. So what do we need to do instead? Instead of lusting after people we aren't even actually interacting with, we need real, actual, human, relational connection and intimacy. We need holy relationships. We need holy relationships with other believers to help us to have godly, intimate, relational connections. And how is that done? It's done in the church. It's done in life groups. It's done in accountability groups. 
Relationships that are real with each other, they're supporting each other, pointing each other back towards Christ, encouraging each other, and serving each other. It's building the type of relationships that you can't get anywhere else. This is another part of the reason why Paul said, do, do not stop the, the gathering of the believers, as some do. You know, there's so many people nowadays who say, oh, I don't go to church, but, you know, I believe in God, and I believe in Jesus, and, you know, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian, blah, 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 which is true, um, but it's very difficult to uh, love each other and care for each other if you have no relationships with other believers. In fact, it's impossible. And, and how are we going to get that help and that support that we need if we're not actively in each other's lives? And, and the way to do that is to gather together at church, is to get together in life groups where we're known and where people know what we're struggling with and they can pray for us and they can encourage us and they can draw us back to Jesus. So what are some practical ways that we can combat lust. Well, first of all, let me just say this. I, I didn't want this, this whole sermon to just be a sermon on porn. Um, a lot of people are dealing with issues with porn, uh, but lust is, is universal. We all deal with that. Uh, this isn't just about porn. Paul is saying how God is calling us to holiness in all areas of sexuality, uh, including not just, oh, well, I didn't sleep with that person. No, it's more than that. If you've even thought about it, Jesus said, then you've already committed adultery with that woman in your mind, in your heart. And that's, uh, that's where it starts anyway. It always starts in our thoughts uh, before any action would take place. So I just want to say that if porn is one of your issues, please come and talk to me, come and talk to the elders, uh, talk to uh, the men's ministry team. I know Jeff Hicks uh, loves to help and support people, um, and in the men's ministry uh, time, they've, they've had some Bible studies, they've gone over this stuff, and we want to help you, we want to walk with you in these things, we want to help support you and help move you towards freedom. So if this is something that you're dealing with, please come and talk to somebody. Talk to somebody who you can trust, who knows you well, and will support you. And you gotta be radical. You gotta be radical about it. You know, if that, first of all, just put some restrictions and some guardrails in your life. So Covenant Eyes, if you've heard of Covenant Eyes, is a program that has two parts. Uh, one is just it's a, a filter that will actually prohibit you from searching out certain sites. Uh, the second, which I think is even better and is much more relational, is that you have a report of everything that you look at on the internet and you have it sent to your accountability partner. Uh, so. It, I mean, they could go in and look at every single page you look at, um, but they probably don't want to go through a million pages of ESPN and, and news on the internet and, you know, whatever that recipe is you're looking for. 
but it, it, it pulls out specifically any sexually explicit pages. And so for me, again, Jeff Hicks, Jeff Hicks is my accountability partner, and so he gets my reports. I've got covenant eyes on my iPad, my phone, the, all my computers, and it, just knowing somebody else will see that, will get a report, is often all that I need. Um, you know, I, I don't even need filters on there just to know my accountability is going to see everything that's on here. Just don't go. <laughs> Stay away. Um, so start there. If it's even more pervasive, you know, um, Jesus said it's better to cut off your hand uh, than to burn in hell uh, or to gouge out your eyes. Now, he's not saying that we have to cut off our hands. Um, it, he's saying, do what you got to do. You know, for you, um, now, now I totally forget, what's, what's the movie with Kurt Cameron? Fireproof, yeah, couldn't think of the name. Fireproof, you know, he eventually just takes his computer and throws it in the trash. I mean, we use our computer for everything in our culture these days. But what's more important? If that is just debilitating you at this time, get rid of your computer, get rid of your phone. We were talking about, it's extreme, it's crazy. How do you operate without a phone in today's culture? Get a flip phone. They still make a few of those these days. Um, I know there's one student in, in youth group that has a flip phone. And do whatever you have to do to combat this. Uh, for a lot of people, it doesn't have to be that extreme. And that's great. But if, if it does for you, do it. But, so what are some other things besides those? The first is that we've got to spend time with God. And we, we can't run from the voice of the Holy Spirit. You know, when we're, when we're dealing with something, when we're dealing with guilt, when we're dealing with shame, um, and this area is so, so, um, we have so much shame based on this that we want to hide, we want to, you know, not tell anyone because we feel terrible about it. And we don't want to talk to God and we don't want to hear from him either. And so we isolate ourselves and we want to stop trying to hear what he's saying because he's, he's trying to call us back to holiness. You know, he's trying to say, this isn't the way. This isn't what I have for you. It's not what's best. And the other big problem with that is when you stop listening to the Holy Spirit because um, either you are just wanting that next high, you're wanting that feeling again, you, you like it, you want to do it, and so, you know, you're, you're shutting him out, it means you're shutting him out of your life for everything else, too. You're not hearing the Lord about anything else that you would be doing because you're shutting him out. So don't shut out the voice of the Holy Spirit. But we got to spend time with God. He wants relationship with us. He doesn't want us to just believe and, you know, chalk it up. Yes, I believe in God, and I believe that Jesus saved me. Okay, I'll go to heaven, and, and then I'll spend time with him when I'm in heaven. Now, eternal life starts now. So what he wants for us and what we will have with him is relationship. And that, 
starts now. We don't wait until we're in heaven for that. Um, he created us to be connected with others and to be connected with him. So he wants us to be with him and to know more about him and to learn about him in relationship. So we got to spend time with him. You know, if, if you say you, you care about somebody, uh, but you never get together, you never hang out, you never call or, or, or text them, half the time you don't even think about them, and then you see them somewhere, oh, hey, we should get together sometime. You know, oftentimes that's kind of how we operate with God. It's like you, get to, you come to church on Sunday, um, and nowadays people only come to church 1.7 times a month. Um, so you come to church a couple times a month, and when you do, you're like, oh, I should read my Bible. I should spend some more time with God. And then we forget, and, and we don't. Um, but oftentimes people feel awkward, and they're not sure what to do, how to spend time with God. And it's different for every person what really connects them to the heart of God, to really feel God's presence. Um, and a lot of that is kind of based on our love languages. So for Sarah... My wife, she loves to be outside. She loves to go to Pokagon, get on the trail, and jog, and just see God's creation, and really connects with God in that way. Uh, that's not the number one way for me. Uh, I would much rather be sitting at the piano and playing and singing to God. That is when I just feel his presence and feel connected to him. For other people, it's reading and studying God's word. That's when they really feel God's presence and feel connected to him. Now, of course, um, we should all do all of those things, right? Uh, we should all be worshiping God in song. Uh, we should all be in awe of the greatness of God when we see his creation. We should all be talking to God in prayer and we all need to read our Bible, of course, right? Um, but some ways connect us with God uh, more than others personally. And so we need to be doing those things to, to know him more. Um, because when we're not in God's word, we don't actually know what his way is. We don't know what's best. And we don't know God's way. And when we don't know God's way, what do we do? We just make it up ourselves, Or we just go with whatever culture is saying uh, about how we're supposed to express our sexuality or how we're supposed to um, meet our sexual desires because sexual desires are from God. They are in all of us. And he has a way that he wants us to work that out. But if we're not in his word, we'll never figure out what that is. So we gotta spend time with God, but... Another way that we can move away from lust and move towards him is maybe not as obvious, but it's to be grateful, to have gratitude in our lives. We need to focus on being grateful for the blessings that he's given us. Because when we are thankful for what we have, we're less greedy and envious for what we don't have. And this isn't a specific setup, but next week, I'll be preaching on the unbelief that we have because of envy. Uh, so we'll talk more about this next week. Uh, but being grateful, just thinking about all the ways that God has blessed us, 
all the things that he's given to us, uh, it's much more difficult to be lusting after someone that we see or something on the internet when we're being grateful for the wife of our youth or the person that God has given us or, or the relationships that we have, our close brothers and sisters in Christ who love us and care about us. Um, and it, it's a, a wonderful way to bring our mind back to God and what he's done for us and not all the things that we feel like we need and we want to run towards instead. Another way that is uh, just wonderful uh, for bringing us back and away from lust and that isolation and that selfishness that comes with that is to serve others. We got to serve others. You know, lust just is self-focused. But when we serve others, we're looking outwards and we're building healthy, godly relationships. There's no way, better way to build healthy relationships with people than to serve them or serve with them. Uh, so as uh, we've mentioned to many people, you know, we're, we're finishing our, our basement uh, and we love to have people over. It's going to have a big space where we can have worship nights. You're all invited soon. Hopefully, uh, we'll have that done in August. Um, and there is so many people who have come over and uh, have helped us and served us working on their basement. And not just, I mean, it's wonderful that just people would be willing to come and help, but we've been blown away at all the people who are so skilled at what they do and have the right tools, which we pretty much do not have, uh, and are just doing, you know, it's not just a like, oh, there's walls up. It, it's just this amazing uh, professional job that's up to code, you know, from just people here at the church, except for Greg's cousin. He's the only one that isn't from the church. But everybody else, there's so many people who've come over and helped, but, but I, I am gonna name some names. They normally say don't name names, but Greg came over and cut out concrete with this amazing saw. It took us like two hours. I was blown away how fast it was. And Matt's coming in and doing plumbing and putting all this stuff in and then Bill has been over so many different times uh, to do electrical work for us and get all the lights on and the power. And, and then Charlie Pettibone has been over for, what, the last month uh, doing drywall. There's a lot of walls, and the drywall just seems to keep going. Um, but it, he's, he's a wizard with uh, a mudding knife. Is that what you call it? I mean, he just, and <laughs> you don't think of wanting to watch somebody drywall, but it, it's amazing to actually watch him do what he does. And you come by and it's just done so well. And uh, we were talking about this two days ago, I think it was. Friday, we were down there in the basement and um, he was just talking about how it's so important to serve others. And that again, is what's been amazing about this. Uh, nobody has been begrudging 
Nobody has been like, oh, I guess we have to help Aaron and Sarah. No, people have been so excited to come over to use their gifts, to help serve. And when, when you serve, this is what we were talking about. He even wrote a song about it. Um, when you serve others, it brings joy to your heart. And, and it gets your mind off of yourself. And it, it gets your mind onto others and to caring for others and meeting each other's needs and, and then serving with other people, not just for other people and, and the things that they need. Um, I was getting encouraged this week, too, about how, what did it take, a day? Yeah. yeah. Shannon posted about Nick needs a, um, a scooter to, to get around because um, all the issues with battling cancer twice and finding victory in that, and we're so thankful, but that's also weakened his body, and so... He, he needs a scooter to be able to get around to, to be there with the family. And in, in like two days, uh, the church responded and, and other friends and came around them and came up with all the money that they need, right? All the money? Yeah, for the scooter. So that's amazing, that way that we can serve people when they're in need. Uh, but also serving with people is such a way to like connect us at, as other believers. So whether that is you're serving in kid zone or on a worship team or helping with youth group or um, uh, men's and women's ministries and Bible studies where you're serving and helping with those things and um, helping with all the different teas and, and gatherings that you guys do. It's amazing. Uh, and and also serving in the community, getting out and sharing God's love with people, meeting needs that people have, helping uh, just to serve and be volunteers at different community events that people are doing uh, downtown, and, and just meeting people and sharing God's love. When you do that together with other people, it, it draws you together. You know, when, uh, With the worship team, when, when we gather together regularly, it gives us that connection and serving God together that, that you don't get in other ways. So, we need to be spending time with God. We need to be grateful. We need to serve others. And we need to be seeking holy relationships. Lust versus intimacy. We've got impersonal, self-focused, drawing ourselves into ourselves, wearing a mask, feeling shame, not wanting to tell anybody what's really going on, isolating ourselves. Or we have intimate, godly, real human relationships where we're able to share so that we can support each other, encourage each other. So not just gathering and saying, oh yeah, I screwed up this week. But being in each other's lives to the point that we can call somebody and say, hey, I'm struggling right now, will you pray for me? Hey, can we get together, can we talk? <coughs> you know, being uh, in each other's lives to the point where we're gathering together before something happens and not just sharing after something happens. It's about real connections, human interactions, spending time together because we can't support each other, love each other, care for each other if we're not actually in each other's lives. 
So what are some practical ways, what are some actions that you can take this week? Not just saying, yeah, I agree with that list. Oh yeah, I should spend more time with God. What's a way this week that you can spend some time with God? You gotta be intentional. You gotta set a time and do it. You know, Jeff and I are gathering together at the Y every morning at 6 a.m. or 6.05 for me. Uh, But every morning we get together uh, and if we didn't have 6 o'clock every day, uh, you know, I wouldn't be there. It's like, oh, I should work out, you know. There's always other things that happen. You got to be intentional. You got to set that time. This is when I'm going to spend some time with God. This is when I'm going to get in his word and pray and listen to worship music. Um, And not that you can't do it other times, but when is a specific time that you can do that this week? And maybe set a time when you do that to, to just be grateful and to thank God for the things that he's given you and the relationships he has given you. And what is a way that you can serve somebody this week? What is somebody who might be in need or, or is somebody you can reach out to and ask, hey, is there any way that I can help you this week? Is there, do you need some, some help, some support? We gotta seek holy relationships. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you that we don't have to guess what the right way is, what the best way is. We have your word that can tell us and show us what you have for us and what you want for us. And we wanna trust you, God, and say that we believe that what you say is good is good and what you say is evil is evil and not get caught up with thinking we know better than you. But that, back to that original uh, in the garden, Adam and Eve saying, I wanna decide what's good and evil and not you. God, we want to move back to the way you intended it, that you created it. You created sex, you created sexual desires and you have a proper and good way that that is supposed to be worked out. That a man would leave his father and his mother and be united with his wife, one man, one woman, in marriage. And that, that mystery, Paul calls it, that, that, that covenant and that bond and intimacy of marriage, including sex, it... it it's a spiritual element to it and it brings oneness to us and that is a picture of the intimacy that we have with you. Not in a sexual way. It, it's not something that we can fully understand until uh, we're with you in person but somehow that, that oneness that we experience with a husband or a wife is a picture and a foreshadowing to what it will be like to be in, in a oneness and intimacy with you. So God, we just pray that uh, we would not uh, turn away from the voice, your voice, the Holy Spirit speaking to us, but that we would listen to you this week, that we would run to you because you're good, God. We trust you. 
We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.